back, everyone, to the Good Girl Great podcast. How are you guys doing? How's it going? I hope you guys are having an awesome beginning of the fall. I was looking out the just the other morning, and it really is starting to get chilly in some parts of the world. But if you are in a part of the world where it is all sunshiny, we are uh, we're just going to welcome September and October and November and the end of this year with just full force. Which is why today I wanted to actually talk about. What are some of the things that not a lot of people talk about when it comes to creating a successful side income, right? I think the point of this podcast, aside from inspiring you guys to do business and to really create the life that you deserve and to become really the entrepreneur that you know that you can become is to figure out, okay, what are some things that not a lot of people are talking about? So we're going to be talking about the side of creating a side income that few talk about and including whether it is possible to become your own boss and what are some things that you need to do on your own and your daily life to really make it such that it is the most absolutely amazing experience that you've ever had. And I am here to share with you because there are four people today who are going to share some really strategies that's worked for them. And the beauty of these roundup episodes is that you get to take home whatever it is that you're wanting to take home that works for you and try your own thing, right? I think a lot of people who come to me and say, hey, Talia, how can I do X, Y, Z? And once we share, once we talk about it, they then kind of create, innovate, and do something that really works for them. And this is something that I want for each and every one of you. Okay, so without further ado, Growth Solvers, let's get going. And don't forget to follow and subscribe. So today's episode, we have some really special guests. We have Brandy Lawson, who is going to be talking about the value of making time for yourself. We also will have Jeannie Chang, and she's going to be dropping in and talking about why getting paid well can still make you feel miserable and uh, things that she's learned from her experience with the Associated Press. And also Rhonda Smith, who is going to be talking about the value of understanding your own biological clock, your day-to-day, what works for you, what doesn't on a daily basis so that you can do things on your own terms. And we're also going to be hearing from Tyler King. Tyler has been on a on our podcast and he is going to be talking about why sticking to what you believe and saying no to what traditionally would be home runs like working with some big names that he was offered and he he was given the opportunity to do uh, can actually be the best decision you'll ever make. So This is all exciting, and I wanted to include Tyler's episode and Tyler's excerpt because it is something that we all can relate to. I think in the life of 
business and entrepreneurship and definitely in personal development, we often find that we are faced with difficult decisions. But I think the ones that actually get us uh, are often decisions that are not that obvious. And I call these kind of like the hidden decisions because every single minute of your life, every single minute of your day, you're faced with a decision. And one degree angle of a decision making that you make it can kind of take you off course or it can put you back in course. And there are multiple ways to get to a certain point. So then how do you find something that really works for you? And I think what's interesting is that because there's so much information out there, we tend to kind of go, okay, this is the only way to do it or that is the only way to do it. When in fact, you can kind of take and pull from multiple sources and uh, multiple experiences and then kind of create something that really truly works for you. Our first guest today is Brandy Lawson. Brandy is a consultant who started her journey as a business major who used to take a C++ computer programming class after working in corporate America for 14 years, including software companies and many other places. She finally took the leap and created Fiery FX, where she helped people with digital marketing channels. Let's welcome Brandy Lawson. For a lot of people who are listening, the audience who are just new to, let's say, staying at home for that many <laughs> hours, right, for COVID, and I think particularly now projecting out like a year, two years, three years, five years out, whatever, a lot of people are thinking, okay, I might want to do this whole work from home thing, right? Right. And so what are some of the things that, particularly for people who are still coping with that idea of, I, I kind of want to, but this is really hard. It's really hmm. hard to get work done. It's really hard to, you know, get rid of the kids, get rid of the husband and wife, <laughs> and basically just be able to get things done. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as productivity is concerned, what are some things that maybe you can share the audience as far and, and get them to be able to immediately today or tomorrow can get started on being absolutely productive? For me, productivity has been a uh, getting each piece in place so that I can do the thing. So one of the first things, when I started working for myself from home, I didn't have an office. I was working from the kitchen table. I was working from various places and my, I call it my biz BFF basically bullied me into changing my guest room into my office. And it doesn't seem like a big thing, but we're, we're human beings. We're easily distracted sitting at that table. I'm like, Oh, but the dishes, Oh, but the laundry, Oh, but like, it's just there when I am in my office, this is the workspace. So carving out a workspace for yourself, I think is one of the big things that you can do to get yourself in the right mindset to be productive. So that being said, then there's lots of other little tiny things. And, um, I think giving yourself permission to know that your productivity is going to be unique. So trying things, it's a lot of trial and error, figuring out what's working, what's not working. I guess the the second big thing I would say is get rid of the distractions. If you have email notifications on any of your devices, turn them off right now. If you have Slack notifications, like if we, like the psychology is there, we're distractible animals. And the second we are distracted, it takes a long time for us to get back in the zone. And that just kills your productivity. So a dedicated workspace and get rid of the distractions. And if you notice something coming up, 
and you're like, oh, shiny, like start to notice and get rid of those things. <laughs> I love it. The shiny object syndrome, right? That just kind so of shiny. pulls our, yeah, pulls our attention away. Now, I, and I love that you are pointing out to the fact that, okay, you're, everyone's ha- everyone has different productivity levels and things that distract them and things that would keep them productive. And you happen to have a beautiful child and he's <laughs> in a great school, as, as I understand. So for all yep. the parents out there who, and we were talking about this earlier before the show started, but for all the parents out there who are like, okay, Brandy, okay, Talia, I get it. I am, I have to be a little bit more focused, but then those distractions, right? Those kids who just uh, not really have a turn off button. Nope. Um, <laughs> if only they do though, that would be amazing. Oh. Uh, it, what are some of the things that maybe you can share with the audience as far as, okay, you can absolutely still be at home with your kids. You can still absolutely get your work done. If you do X, Y, Z, what, what are some of those things, Brandy? So boundaries is a big thing. So we, we talk about these as business owners. We talk about these as, as people, uh, but t- sitting down and talking to the other people in your household about what you're trying to achieve and getting them on board. Like it can be very uh, adversarial <laughs> to have other people competing for your time and attention. So if you can maybe get them on board in some way, shape or form, like, Hey, during these hours, this is where I'm at. This is why, this is why it benefits you to leave me alone. So getting them on board. The other thing is I, I had such a great cadence when my kid was going to school. I knew exactly like I could plan my week and now poof, it's gone. And our homeschool has continued to sort of evolve. So our schools did one kind of curriculum and then they're, they're like, they're trying to ease us into it, but it just means that every day is different and every week is different. And so I'm trying different things. So I've tried getting up earlier in the morning before my child is up. Now that is great. That is focused work time that I can get done. I'm not really at my peak in the morning every day especially if I didn't get to bed before the night before. So I'm like, some days that works and some days it doesn't. Carving out other pieces of time. So give yourself a little grace. Find maybe what time of day is going to work the best. Get the other people in your house on board. Make them advocates for you. Um, get them aligned. With, it's not that mom's not available to you. It's like, hey, you know that thing that you like to do when we're that? If I don't do this, we can't do that thing. So th- those would be my recommendations to try Our next guest is Jeannie Chang. Jeannie is the National Director of Self-Care and Wellness by National Association of Asian American Professionals. She started her career in journalism with the Associated Press, and she's a mental health specialist for student organizations for Duke University and UNC, among a few. Let's welcome Jeannie. What was that conversation when you were just starting out? Like, was there resistance? Was there like questions from mom and dad and be like, Jeannie, what's going on? Like, like, was Um, there any of that at all? Or so it, so when people have actually looked at my resume or LinkedIn, I have a very diverse career background. So my first career actually out of college, I graduated, I mean, I, I uh, majored in broadcast journalism at NYU. Okay. I actually started my career as a reporter at the Associated Press in DC covering President Clinton. So uh, so that is how I started my career. And they were, they were, though I came from a family of doctors, my parents accepted the journalism career because I said this in Korean, mom, dad, right? 
um, I call him Amma Appa, you know, the Korean right. term. Then I'm like, I'm going to be the number one journalist. That's how they accepted it because I was very, I was ambitious. Yeah. But then once I was in the AP Associate Press, I, I had, a, I actually loved what I did. However, and this is part of my, I would say my own history of how it became um, in, uh, like passionate about mental health is I didn't realize then how miserable I was when I left work. Like uh. I was so busy at work, work somewhat consumed me. And it's, you know, when you're a journalist, that's why you see journalists say you have no life. Right. It's very busy, and that is why you're paid well because you're constantly on the go, 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 and it's all about image, you know, yeah. especially when you're on TV. Um, and I was mainly in radio, but still, it was about how I sounded. Right. It was very intense. And then I just remember thinking, and at the time, I was dating my boyfriend, who's now my husband, who supported me. And in fact, yeah. I think he, uh, I think he recalls how much money I made because you do make. I made fresh out of college. You, you make a decent amount of money. Yeah. But he's like, yeah, I remember I never saw you. And then <laughs> and basically he would be by himself at a lot of events. And I yeah. just remember, and I'll, I'm very flat out, I'm like very blunt about it, but I lost a lot of friends yeah. during that time because I had no time for them. So right. going back to what I'm doing now as a mental health therapist, I promote relationships. Right. I mean, the number one reason why people are unhappy, I will say, and this is my data is based on the fact that they, they don't have good relationships or mm. that's like the therapy. I'm miserable in my marriage or my family conflict. Yeah. Or, you know what I mean? And, and when I was realizing that lack, thank goodness for that one relationship, my husband, but that's not enough. You, I, I had no friends. I, I needed right. women. And so I was like, I can't do this for my life. Yeah. I, I don't see myself being happy. And then I could be an unhappy person to my husband or my boyfriend at the time. So I actually went to business school. So I went to business school and yeah. of course my parents accepted that cause you went to business school, right. but, um, but I, and I enjoyed business school, but, and so flash forwarding my, what going fast forwarding my life 20 years now, I'm using both those degrees. So I, when I went back for my nice. therapy license, so I had to go to graduate school again. And I remember when my dad was like, Oh my gosh. Okay. So you, <laughs> and then he goes, but then when I, but here's the thing. By then I was in my early thirties. So, mm. and I was already a mom. So they didn't really have that decision. It was up to me. I put myself through you know, graduate right, school. So right, it's really right. not up to them, but I think they actually, I would say they were more progressive where they understood what I was trying to do. They were just a little worried about how are you going to make money? You know, <laughs> um, but here I am actually doing a lot of speaking nationally. So I'm a, I'm a big seminar workshop leader. So I'm using my journalism skills yeah, because I have my own private practice. So I think now they see it and they're like, that's interesting. But even then they're sometimes going, what's mindfulness? What do you mean? And, and they get all yeah. like, that's weird. You know, yeah, my doctor. so th- it's still very foreign to them. Yeah. Mental health is, but I think my parents are more progressive than some. So right. I'm thankful, but no, they, they, of course they were like, all right, I guess you're, you're old enough to do it. But if I had wanted to pursue this in my twenties, no maybe way. not, they would have yeah. been like, no, <laughs> uh, I, think, I think they don't share it, but I think they're proud of what I'm doing now because I'm reaching out to Asian American families yeah. and helping them. And now they're seeing so many people have issues. They're yeah. like, yeah, need people like you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and great. I think now, probably particularly now, when I think you were saying this in your email, how like um, now that there's a sudden disruption that just kind of takes everybody out of, it just surprises everybody out of left field. 
And you can, you hear stories about how people start yelling at each other and just like abuse all these things. Right. So I think your work comes at an absolutely, I mean, I think right now is definitely just kind of getting people like you and other people um, out there, you know, who are like you. I think that's just so important to kind of make sure that people know that, um, you know, it's okay that you, everyone's having these problems. You just have to know where to go to, you know? Right. Um, so our next guest is Rhonda Smith. Rhonda Richard Smith is an award-winning psychotherapist, a graduate of the University of Southern California with a bachelor's degree in sociology. She also holds a master's of social welfare degree and her advice had been featured in Oprah Magazine, Martha Stewart Weddings, US Weekly Magazine, Bravo TV, Ebony Magazine, Teen Vogue, and Glamour Magazine, among a few. Let's welcome Rhonda. Hi, thanks so much for having me. My name is Rhonda Richard Smith. I am a licensed psychotherapist and relationship expert, and I specialize in personal wellness and healthy relationships. And the most relationship, the most important relationship that we know, of course, is our relationships with ourselves. Amazing. Rhonda, I'm excited to have you on because one of the things that had come up recently is really that relationship with ourselves. And I think particularly because a lot of times people in the past few months have had the chance to really think about what they want to do in their lives, right? And yeah. The fork that they in in the road that they've been presented with some changes in their lives. So, what are some things that's jumped out to you recently that you've seen that people have been talking about? I think it's been a really difficult. I'm not even going to say balance. I'll say maybe more of a juggle to juggle all of these different things that we have um, going on. Um, if you are a parent. Um, you know, many of us that are parents are having to kind of struggle with homeschooling, exactly what that looks like. Um, if you're working, again, kind of balancing, making sure that you get things done throughout the day, that you're productive. Um, if you have a partner or a spouse that's in the house, again, also managing schedules with each other. Um, and the other thing that's come up that's been really interesting is something called Zoom fatigue. So for those of us, again, if we're having to communicate a lot virtually to have meetings and, and schedule meetups, even um, casually in our personal lives with friends and families and birthday Zooms, even that can be incredibly overwhelming. So I think everyone's just in a place of trying to figure out how are we going to balance um, all of these different things as best we can and still take care of ourselves. I absolutely agree with you. I think somebody else the other day was mentioning Zoom fatigue to me, and I didn't realize that of all of the problems that we might have, you know, in the past few months and definitely this year, that would be kind of the problem. And I think as a lot of the world and the workforce is transitioning online or maybe thinking about keeping them for the long future, uh, long term, whatever that might be, what are some things that you can share with the audience as far as making sure that the juggling act doesn't really prevent us from, you know, moving forward in our lives and whatever it is, or success, happiness, all of those things? What are some things that you can share with the audience? I think, you know, obviously technology is playing a really critical role in all of our lives at this point, um, but it is important to make sure that you take some time away from that technology. So it's really important that we quiet our minds to even check in with ourselves. Um, you know, it can be easy to say, well, I'm just going to take a break from the computer or I'm going to, you know, take some time away. But if you're not really stopping completely to be quiet with yourself and with your own thoughts and feelings, it can be difficult to sort out what your own thoughts and feelings are separate of what everyone else is telling you 
or what everyone else is telling you that you should feel um, or think. So in order to really get to the crux of how you're doing and remedy that, it's really important that you stop and take the time to be quiet with yourself and really feel those feelings and not avoid feeling those feelings. For some people, you know, this time at home has forced some folks into doing some of the internal work that they need to do. And it can be tough. It's challenging. Um, This is really difficult work that we're having to do at this point, but it's worth it. At the end of the day, it's worth it. But I think if you can stop and take the time to take breaks from technology and from everyone and everything else, for parents, that includes your children. If you're married or in a partnership, that includes your partner as well. Stopping to take the time to be quiet and alone, even if it's only five or 10 minutes a day, can make all the difference. Yeah, and I think this is so important right now, particularly because everything that we have, all the devices, they each have at least 20 apps, you know, all of these things. And all of the if all the notifications are on and we don't allocate certain times in our day when we say, okay, this is a off screen, you know, no, no screen time at all um, type of a time, then it gets difficult to to basically make sure that that's worked into our day, right? So when you're talking about taking the time to listen to ourselves, like what, are, what, what, what else is making it so difficult, um, you know, for people to, to do this? Because what I notice is people would start doing this and then they would fall off the wagon, so to speak, right? When they're like, they're probably good at doing it for a couple of days or maybe a couple of weeks. And then their, their life is all over the place again and technology is being run over um, is running over their lives. Like, what are some things that you feel is the reason why we keep diverting back to, yeah, I don't know, I guess a schedule that we, we know is not really that great for us? Well, I think a huge part of it is oftentimes we're creatures of habit. So it can, it's just really difficult to establish a new routine. I will say, though, given the situation that we are currently in, um, and in, in any instance, right, it's, it's really important to keep in mind that it's difficult to establish new routines and to give yourself a bit of a break with that. So sometimes we can be perfectionists and say, you know, I need to meditate every single day, um, or I need to meditate for an hour a day. And we start the bar really high. Um, and instead of doing that, even if you can just think of meditating whenever you have the opportunity, um, it really takes some of the pressure off and you're more likely to be successful if you don't start the bar too high to begin with. Um, I also think it's important to be strategic. So knowing when is the best time for these activities. So if it is meditation, if it's maybe moving your body throughout the day, you've got to be strategic and know which days was I successful at doing these activities? What was going on in my life? What was I doing just before? And try to replicate that on a daily basis. Again, it's just kind of a way that we can trick our minds and be strategic. If we know that we're better meditating first thing in the morning, then do your best to do it first thing in the morning. If you know that you prefer to do it before bed, um, if you really want to clear your head and your mind before you go to sleep, it's, it's also a great time. Um, and sometimes you can even have better sleep. So you can in- increase and improve your sleep patterns by meditating in the evening. So if that works for you, go with that and keep doing more of that. 
Tyler King is our next guest, and Tyler is the CEO of Less Annoying CRM. He founded this company with his brother and funded the startup entirely on their own without investors' help. They chose directly and intentionally not to work with investors so that they don't have to make short-sighted decisions you often see happening in Wall Street. Let's welcome our last and certainly not the least, Tyler King. So mm-hmm. walk us through, you know, kind of the first 12, 18, 24 months or so. Like how many clients did you have? Was there like a tipping point where you say, okay, now we have X number of dollars and therefore we can kind of um, figure out a percentage of it into hiring? Yeah. So um, what was really important to me was to not raise any money from investors because the last company mm-hmm. I had worked at uh, had a lot of problems that... I, I liked a lot of stuff there. I learned a lot, but the problems that existed all came down to the fact that the investors' interests were misaligned with mine. And so when starting this company, it was really, really important to me and to my brother Bracken that we didn't raise any money. That effectively means you have a much longer uh, time horizon before you can really be comfortable. So, or, you know, this is called bootstrapping, right? So we bootstrapped for the first... uh, three and a half years before either of us were full-time. Um, the general trajectory here was it took us about three to six months to really build the first version of the product. I say three to six because you you launch something, but it's really not good enough to, right. for anyone to buy it, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, let's say we launched January 1st, 2010. I don't know the exact date, but it was around then. Um, mm-hmm. We had five paying users six months later. And we pay, we charge $10 per user per month. So it's really easy to calculate our revenue. We had $50 wow. in monthly revenue six months in. So nowhere close to being able to support ourselves. Sure. Um, yeah. So it was a really, really slow ramp up for us. That's, well, I actually like the, your approach because I, I think a lot of new businesses, they want to scale as fast as possible, right? Mm-hmm. And in doing so, obviously the decision-making would have to be completely different. And you mentioned stakeholder and shareholder supremacy, mm-hmm. which is, I think it has pros and cons, but you touched upon some of the cons. And I love that your approach is, okay, the the vision and the direction of the company needs to be aligned with what I believe in and not necessarily giving a return to anybody that wants it to be returned at X mm-hmm. number of time, right? Exactly. So I love that approach because, you know, not a lot of people obviously are, are able to um, to look at it that way. Yeah. Well, and there's another, like I, this is another thing I lucked into. I didn't realize this at the time, but I think everyone knows, especially like a first time founder, I'm going to have to do a lot of things running this business that I've never done before, which means learning. Mm-hmm. And if you have investors, A, the money they give you allows you to grow faster, and B, their expectations are that you're going to grow really fast. Right. Um, that significantly shortens the amount of time you have to learn what you're doing. And I think I would very possibly not be the CEO of this company anymore. I, like, I, I may very well have been replaced. If, if we had to get where we are now, you know, right now we're at 17 employees, 2.6 million in revenue. If we'd done that in five years instead of 10, I think that rate of growth would have been more than I could like keep up with. And I bet either the company would have failed or I would have gotten replaced. 
Right. So I, I like what you just touched upon, which is the rate of growing and what you need to learn, um, especially in those early years, even though obviously you're fully qualified to run the company, but there's always that, that curve, right? That mm-hmm. learning curve in how do we make this work in the most beautiful sense. It's almost kind of like building, uh, building anything, really building a house or anything. You want the foundations to set, you want everything to kind of um, line up in the right way as, as good as possible before you build further up. Mm-hmm. So I do love, I love that analogy for sure. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. Let's get going.